to Victory and Labang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Good morning, everyone. Well, my name is Ariel Marquez, and thank you for joining our service in Victory Alabang this morning. Today, we are actually concluding our series on perspective. It's a series on Psalm chapter 23. Psalm 23 is actually the most read and well-loved Psalm of David. It brings comfort and assurance every time I read it. I love it. You know, it ministers to my soul. And no matter how difficult life circumstances are, God will remain faithful to His promises for us, His sheep. And I hope that as we read the psalm, that we will not miss the fact that David experienced a lot of things in his life, some of life's highest highs and even the lowest lows. And in the midst of all this, he declares, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23 is a very personal psalm. As I mentioned in the past weeks, this is the psalm of a sheep towards his shepherd. He is describing the experience that he has in relation to his shepherd. And let me ask you this question. How is your relationship? with the Good Shepherd. Have you actually made this psalm a personal declaration of your relationship with the Shepherd King? Now think about that for a moment. Earlier this week, you may have heard the news that uh, our Zim founder and apologist, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Zacharias, passed away uh, due to cancer. And Rabbi has reached millions of people around the world by his passion to preach Christ and let his truth be known through theology and even through apologetics. What a sad day that the Christian world lost uh, you know, a great man in Ravi, but yet that was not his perspective before he died. And as he recited a stanza from the hymn of Richard Baxter a few weeks before he passed away, as related by his daughter, and he said from the quote, My knowledge of that life is small. The eye of faith is dim. But tis enough that Christ knows all, and I shall be with him. He had the confidence and assurance that he will be with God in this life and even after his death. And what a beautiful description of the life that we have in Jesus. It describes the love of a shepherd for a sheep and the confidence that we have that we will be with him forever. Is it really possible to have the confidence to say that we will be in the presence of God forever? Well, actually, this is the focus of our preaching this morning, and the last two verses of Psalm 23 talks about that. So why don't we open uh, once again Psalm 23, and uh, we will read the, all the six verses, and hopefully by now you've memorized this uh, chapter already. Psalm 23, reading from the ESV version. Let's declare it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much because you are our good shepherd. You sought after us. You pursued us. You found us. And I thank you that you've provided for us. When we were lost, we never sought after you, but you were always in pursuit of us. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for welcoming us 
You've restored us. You've provided once again. And you've protected us. I pray, God, that you would teach us your word today. Thank you for your wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, David is an old man when he wrote Psalm 23, and he saw many difficulties and disappointments in his life. But he also knew that God, as a good shepherd, that he can actually richly give to his children more than they deserve. In fact, a good shepherd gives us the following. He gives provision. Everything that we need, we shall not be in want. He gives peace. He restores our weary soul. Providence, he gives guidance in times of uncertainty. Protection, he gives the safety from, guess, safety from danger and even from our enemies. Presence, he promises that he is going to be with us all the way. And he promises paradise. He prepares a home for us in eternity. Last week, we talked about God's protection and faithfulness that he leads us through dark valleys while watching over us with his rod and staff. His rod, when you talk about rod, it speaks of authority as a shepherd for guiding, for counting, for rescuing, for protecting, while his staff is an instrument of support, helping us in our time of weakness. He's always with us, even in the darkest moments, and he will comfort us. But it's also good to know that he does not just let us stay in the valley. I don't want to stay there. Because valleys are temporary. Can you say that word with me? Temporary. Do you wonder what happens after we pass through the valleys? Well, we will notice that David, from verses 1 to 4, has been using the image of a shepherd to describe his relationship with the Lord. But suddenly, in verse 5, the picture changes. It shifts. From the good shepherd, he becomes the gracious host. And in the last two verses of Psalm 23, we will see how David celebrates the overwhelming advantage of a life lived in the presence of God. Living the Christian life is not a sorry kind of life. It is not a killjoy or KJ kind of life. In fact, it is the total opposite. When we understand the benefits of the shepherd, we will find out that this life that we have is an abundant life. It's a superior kind of life. Nothing can compare with the life lived with the shepherd. And the world may actually say that, you know, it's not, you know, you're losing everything. But the reality is we gain everything. Jesus, the good shepherd, said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I came that they may have life and life abundantly. And this is the great life that we live with Jesus. It's not a mediocre kind of life that gets by. It's an exciting life, an amazing life, a superior life, extraordinary life that is abundant, overflowing with this goodness, a life that is simply awesome. There was a change in the scenario as you read this psalm, starting from green grass meadows to still waters to unknown paths to dark valleys and now into a banquet hall. It is like watching a play and the stage changes its background. Well, the verbs that we can use is eating, resting, traveling, feasting, and dwelling. It's a progression of the ultimate blessing. And God spreads a sumptuous meal before us, a great banquet in the presence of his enemies. And this metaphor encompasses all the figures that David has used before, that God feeds, he provides, he leads, he actually protects, he binds us uh, when we're weak, and, you know, he gives us provision as a gracious host. Verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 23, David gives us three benefits of having the Lord as our shepherd. Number one, the good shepherd restores my value and identity and honor. And we see this in verse 5. 
And he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. When David made reference to the table, he is actually referring to feasting. Not just ordinary feasting, but similar to how the Jews would feast, uh, which would last for many days. And how, you know, how is one's value and identity connected to feasting, you may ask? Well, you cannot attend a feast without being invited first. And being invited gives you a sense of identity and honor. In fact, you cannot just come into a wedding banquet and eat the food and sit in the VIP table without being invited. And, you know, I remember being invited to officiate a wedding of a couple from our church, and they had a lavish wedding banquet. Right after the ceremony, the people were asked to proceed to the wedding area, oh, sorry, to the banquet area. And I was requested to sit at the VIP table where we were seated with the parents and the principal sponsors. And then they start calling your name and ask you to stand up to be acknowledged, you know. Uh, so it's a time of honor. In VIP table, you do not have to line up to get food because the waiters are there serving you. But, you know, personally, I want to go to the buffet area to get my table. Well, anyway, uh, you know, we have these nameplates on the table. We have the best seat in the house because we can actually see everything that's happening in the program, happening right after uh, the ceremony in the reception. It was indeed a place of honor. But what the Lord does for us is much, much more lavish, as David, David describes this in Psalm. In verse 5 of Psalm 23, he prepares a feast for us, but instead of it being with friends and family, it is set before our enemies. Now, we won't go there and define who our enemies are. You know, someone asked Jesus one time, who's my neighbor? But no one asked him, who's my enemy? You can probably identify them yourself. You know, but don't say it out loud right now. I remember this movie, Godfather, where uh, Michael Corleone said this, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Well, David wrote, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, why does God do that? You know, this is the image of victory and honor bestowed to a guest. And according to Bruce uh, Waltke, He's actually a, an Old Testament scholar. This practice is related to the honor-shame culture that the ancient Israel was based on. To be honored in front of an enemy can be seen as one of the highest forms of honoring. Well, you may be watching today and you would say, I don't deserve that kind of honor. I don't deserve to be honored. In fact, I'm not even qualified in the honorable mention. Well, this message is not for me. Maybe it's for somebody who's good or nice or obedient, but not for me. But let me tell you this, and please hear this. Our good shepherd wants to restore your value, your dignity, and your honor. And you may have done something that is shameful and sinful, and this has stripped you of honor, or maybe somebody has done something to you, but God is inviting you back to him and receive his restoration and his forgiveness. He's not embarrassed of you. He wants to restore you and place you in a seat of honor, and this is what I call amazing grace. It is the beautiful picture of God rejoicing and delighting over us and celebrating with us. You know, this reminds me of the story, a parallel story in Luke chapter 15. You're familiar with this, the parable of the prodigal son. And I'm sure that we can still imagine the scenario. The young son got his inheritance and squandered it. You know, he took it from, uh, of course, he asked it from his father. He squandered it into wild li uh, living. Then he finished all his wealth, couldn't even afford to buy decent food. 
Uh, he was applying for work, and he realized that he sinned, and he remembered his father. And he, he decided to beg his father to forgive him, to hire him, to just be one of his workers, because it was much better to work for his dad than to be outside his estate. And so he went back to his father, and while he was still far off, his dad saw him, and his dad came running to him. And he hugged him, accepted him, called his servants, and he said, put on the best Put on him the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. And then they killed a fattened calf. Prepared a feast for the young son who lost, who was lost once but now have returned. So the older son heard the music and celebrated that he was far away. It was like a party music, you know, TikTok fields or whatever. Well, the point is this. When the prodigal son comes home, the good shepherd will not put him in a corner or marginalize him and say, you know, you stay there, I don't want to see your face. But instead, the returning, the, the prodigal son will be restored, honored, dignified, celebrated. It's not a shame to call him son or daughter. Aside from feasting, the shepherd anoints us with oil and he puts uh, oil over us. Now think about that for a moment. You know, it does not end there. He anoints my head with oil. And I have an, you know, I have an anointing oil here, here called uh, frankincense. To anoint the head with oil is still part of honoring. It's the practice of the Jews. It's like putting an emphasis on God's delight on you. You know, the practice of the Jews when they're mourning is to put sackcloth and ashes. But after mourning, they anoint themselves with oil as a sign that they are coming out of mourning. But it's different when someone anoints you with oil. It means that you are special and you are a VIP or a guest of honor. According to John Walton, an Old Testament scholar and professor at Wheaton College, and he said this, and I quote, banqueters in the ancient world were often treated by a generous host to, a fine oil, to fine oils that would be used to anoint their foreheads. This provided not only glistening sheen to their countenance, but also would have added fragrance to their persons and to their room. For example, an Assyrian text from uh, Azardon's reign described how he drenched the foreheads of his guests at a royal banquet with choicest oils. Oil preserves the complexion of the hot Middle Eastern uh, climate. It, it actually preserves your skin. But now if your face is shiny, just tell people, you have just been anointed with oil. Well, this sense of high honor brings the psalm into some sort of a climax because now it is not only provision or protection that the shepherd gives. It's a restoration of esteem or elevation of value. And a good shepherd not only provides, protects, gives peace, but he also esteems us and puts us in a place of honor. You may feel like you have lost your worth during the season, maybe because of wrong choices or maybe because of what somebody has done to you. Or maybe because of this pandemic, you've lost your job or you got sick. But in the eyes of God, you are a person of value. David proceeded to declare, my cup overflows. After anointing, you with oil, the shepherd puts a cup in your hand and puts uh, in your cup out of his unlimited resource and infinite fullness until your cup overflows. What an amazing picture of God's love and grace and delight over the flock. And this beautiful scenario comes after we go through seasons of darkest valley in our life. When we thought that life is so difficult and hopeless, but yet our shepherd will be there with us, comforting us, sustain, sustaining us. And once the season of darkness is over, guess what? The feasting and the celebration comes. 
We will not just be survivors, but we will be triumphant victors and honored guests in God's banquet. Number two, the, God, the good shepherd establishes certainty and surety. And I believe that walking with our shepherd will actually secure our future. In times like this, in a pandemic and economic uncertainty, we can definitely be shaken. The feeling is like stepping on a sinking sand and you cannot hold on to anything because even what you're holding is sinking also. But in verse 6, first part, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know, surely means absolutely. It means assuredly or undoubtedly. It simply means without fail. David speaks confidently uh, about God's will for him. And David knew that the way that God takes care of him uh, is the way that God's character is all about. He's faithful. He's not fickle. He's good to him. Pastor Philip Keller wrote about this verse. Not only is this a bold statement, but it is somewhat of a boast, an exclamation of implicit confidence in the one who controls his career and his destiny and his future. Maybe you're experiencing a very difficult season in your life right now. This pandemic has shaken a lot of people. And this is a season when many people are going through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, but even in the season of darkness, I want to say to you, God is with us. And He will comfort us. And He is good to us. And this is never based on your goodness or my goodness. This is always dependent on God's goodness. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, whether in the darkest moments or in times of feasting. You know, the Hebrew word to follow, when translated, means to pursue or to chase. So the moment that you wake up, before you put on your makeup for the ladies, goodness and mercy are ready to greet you good morning and we're ready to follow you today. You know, some of you need to hear that today and be convinced. God's goodness will follow follow you all the days of your life. And not just follow you, but chase you wherever you go. You know, this crisis does not determine the goodness of God. It is not His nature uh, to be bad. It is in His nature to be good. You know, God is good all the time. And we talk about mercy. Mercy is what we need every time we face a holy God. And many times we feel that we do not deserve to be with Him because we have sinned. But the truth is, God is not looking for you know, every reason to punish us. In fact, he's always looking for ways to forgive us and reach out to us. And this is the role of mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Yes, we all have sinned. God had made an abundant provision, though, of mercy to forgive us if we will just go back to him. Do not run from God. Run to him instead because his mercy is great. His mercy is following us and it is pursuing, pursuing us. And when you look at the footnote of the ESV, you will actually find that the word mercy also means steadfast love. And steadfast means abiding and relentless. You know, I was reading this Jesus Storybook Bible to my kids when they were younger. And God's love is described like this. It is the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That kind of love is better than life. Thirdly, the good shepherd invites me to his dwelling place. And we see that in the last part of this chapter. 
and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an awesome way to end this Psalm 23. It speaks of us being with God. You know, when you look at the Bible in its entirety, you examine all the 66 books, you will find out that this was God's idea all along, that we will always be with Him. In fact, God created us. He created man to have a lifetime of fellowship with Him. We're not designed to live our life apart from God. And we can summarize this Bible with these four words. God is with us. This is the whole point of the Bible. It's God's love letter to man and an invitation to be with Him forever. From the very beginning in Genesis, if you open the pages of the Bible, you find that out. That God's desire is to be with man after creating him. And even after the fall, God, God has always constantly pursued man. We see that in the Old Testament when, when God established the tabernacle with Moses and with David, how his presence would fill the temple. And in the Old Testament, the temple is a place where people would go for forgiveness and worship. You know, so David's confidence is that he will dwell in the fullness of what the temple represents. That he will dwell in God's presence forever in that place of forgiveness and worship. And in the New Testament, we will see that when Jesus, who is God, became man through the incarnation, God in the flesh. That's why his name is also called Emmanuel. God is with us. God with us. He made a promise in John chapter 28 verse 19. And behold, I will be with you always. Can you say that with your you know, with your family right now, all the way to the end of the age. And after Jesus ascended to heaven, guess what? The Holy Spirit came during the Pentecost and He continues to be with us today. God is with us. Yes, we are still under quarantine from ECQ to MECQ to barbecue. Many would like to go back to work. Some people would like to go to the mall, to shop, to eat. Some people like to, go to the, maybe go to the beach. People already want to go out of the house. But let me tell you this. There is no one, not, not, there is one place that we would rather be during this pandemic, and that is in the presence of God. And during this season, we always use you know, the statement, stay safe. Don't just stay safe temporarily, but stay safe eternally. David also said in Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I ask of the Lord and I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. The psalmist was so in love with God that he cannot wait to be in God's house, not just as a visitor, but as a permanent resident. In fact, he wants to have a PR visa in the house of God. I live here. I believe David is using terms like the house of the Lord or the temple to refer not ultimately to a physical location, but to refer to a lifetime or eternal fellowship with God in His presence. Being with God is the greatest place to be. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be in the house of God than anywhere else. And I want to summarize the message today with this statement. His presence is our greatest benefit. For in it, we will have all that we need. If you feel that you are far from God, He's inviting you to come and have a feast with Him. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. In fact, if you're watching this for the first time, if you want to be, uh, come to the uh, Good Shepherd and receive his mercy and his forgiveness and enjoy his presence, I want to invite you right now for a short prayer. Let's bow our heads and please repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. And I thank you that I acknowledge my need of you, that I am a, a, a sinner in need of a Savior. And Lord, I want to know who you are in my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And today I declare that Jesus is Lord. And I also believe that he is raised from the dead. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for placing me also before you as an honored guest. And I thank you that you have accepted me now as a child of God and you are now my father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, if you pray that prayer, I want to just congratulate you because that is the most important prayer that anyone can ever pray in his entire life. And I want to invite you to please connect with us. You'll actually find on the screen, uh, you can just go and log on to victoryalabang.church slash connect. We'd like to get in touch with you sometime during the week. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.